This is Special Chronicles, giving respect and a voice to people with special needs. I shudder thinking how the world can be so cruel. I lend my voice to those who can't. It's time we try. It's time we care. It's time we stand. Hey, Special Chronicles friends, this is Daniel Smukowski, and I'm the founder of Special Chronicles and a Special Olympics Southern Survival International Global Messenger. Welcome to the Special Chronicles show. This is episode 484, and this week on the Special Chronicles show, we called it live from the 2022 Special Olympics USA Games in Orlando, Florida. We're bringing you a unified leadership training that we at Special Olympics presented to a few Coca-Cola employees. Um, but first, uh, you can uh, visit specialchronicles.com for links to follow Special Chronicles on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to also subscribe, wait, and review this podcast, Special Chronicles, on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or, or, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to also subscribe to our channel on YouTube to watch the video episodes. And sign up for our newsletter to, re- to receive exclusive bonus content. Again, specialchronicles.com for links to subscribe and follow. And now, after a short break, tune in to our full Unified Leadership Training that we'll be sending to a few Coca-Cola employees right here on specialchronicles.com. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. Please support this podcast at specialchronicles.com slash give. That's specialchronicles.com slash give. And we thank you for your generous support of our mission at Special So welcome and good morning, everybody. This is huddle in if you want. We want this to be a really intimate session. And I just want to welcome the athlete leadership team Um, the Global Messengers. You guys, uh, we have an opportunity this morning to learn from you, which is really special. Um, Coca-Cola was literally founded um, on the platform of happiness. It It was developed as a happiness elixir in a pharmacy. So we've spent a very, very long time bringing people together. Um, It's a huge part of our brand DNA to create inclusivity, and obviously what comes along that with that is happiness. So we talk a lot about inclusivity and what it means at the company, but a lot of the times when we do that, we're talking to each other, right? Today, to have the opportunity to learn from you guys through your voice, through your experiences around what inclusivity is, is such a treat for us. So thank you. Um, We want it to be a really nice, small session. I know we're in a really big room, (laughs) which is great. Um, So let's all enjoy the AC this morning. It's definitely hot. But um, we just want to say thank you and a huge welcome. We are honored to have you and we are all ears to listen. And hopefully it's okay if we ask questions because we're here to learn. Um, and it's a really small team of people here to learn. Um, they're really lucky folks. We're all extremely lucky to be in this room, but we're doing it. So thank you and welcome. Thank you, Carla. I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, this will be as informal as formal, formal informal can be. Um, we'll do introductions here in a minute. So really just why are we here today? Uh, as we work as Special Olympics, as Coca-Cola, as we work as a society to make our 
world a more inclusive place and more equitable, especially for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, it's important that we create space for honest conversations, for honest conversations about the real state of inclusion, um, and to learn from those like Daniel and Renee, who are leaders within their community, and how we can be better supporters as people without IDD of our friends with IDD. Special Olympics has been working to create a better world by fostering the acceptance and inclusion of people with IDD. Um, hang on, I need to lock this. This is really annoying, it keeps doing this. Okay, I think we're good. All right, so Special Olympics has been working to create a better world by fostering the acceptance and inclusion of all people since 1968. The mission of Special Olympics is to provide year-round sports training and athletic competition in a variety of Olympic-type sports for children and adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities, giving them continuing opportunities to develop physical fitness, demonstrate courage, experience joy and participate in a sharing sharing of gifts skills and friendship with their families other special olympics athletes and the community so to kick off our session on unified leadership i'm happy to introduce our panelists and our amazing athletes and athlete leaders so communication is daniel smirkowski's biggest struggle but it's also his biggest passion this led him to starting his own media company, Special Chronicles, to face his challenges instead of running away from them. It all began when he became a Special Olympics athlete in his home state of Illinois, competing in swimming and basketball. Daniel is an award-winning podcaster, columnist, acclaimed advocate, and founder of Special Chronicles, telling disability stories with the mission to give respect and voice to people with special needs on a groundbreaking platform. He serves currently as an ambassador for ComEd and United Airlines, and as a Sergeant Shriver International Global Messenger with Special Olympics. Daniel graduated from Roosevelt University with a Bachelor of Arts degree in Journalism. So Daniel, <laughs> Renee Manfredi has been a Special Olympics athlete for 14 years. She participates in softball, swimming, soccer, basketball, tennis, and track and field. See, she is a passionate advocate for inclusive health for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities and is determined to empower others in their own advocacy journey through public speaking, education, and support. Renee believes in helping everyone to find their voice. She is a paid consultant working with Special Olympics International on health and unified leadership trainings like this one. Um, I have the pleasure, going off script here, I have the pleasure of working directly with Renee over the past eight months, getting her ready for many unified leadership trainings like this one for, um, for partners of ours. So very happy to have Renee on our team. Renee says, when all of our voices are heard, we have the framework for an inclusive world. Uh, my name is Brandon Schatzik. I work, as I said, on the Special Olympics Organizational Excellence Team um, in the Inclusive Leadership Department and will be assisting these two wonderful athlete leaders with the training today. So welcome to you all. Um, thanks for taking time out of your very busy USA game schedules. And um, as Carla said, the getting into the, to the AC, getting out of the heat for a little bit and learning more about not just Special Olympics, but also what uh, we call unified leadership and why it's so important. So uh, at the end of our panel discussion and our presentation, we will have time for a Q&A with Renee Daniel. So if you have questions, write them down. We'll make sure that we have plenty of time for, for, for questions for the two of them. So Daniel, let's jump right in. 
Can you tell us about the history of Special Olympics? Thank you, Brandon. Did you know that Special Olympics first began in Chicago in 1968 with 1,000 athletes from U.S. and Canada who attended the first international games? Special Olympics was founded by Eunice Kennedy Schreiber. We went from three sports at the first international games to today we have 32 plus Olympic style individual and team sports globally and almost 4 million athletes from 193 countries. In 2018, we celebrated the 50th anniversary in Chicago with goals from sports to include inclusive health, leadership, and education programs. We are a global inclusion movement using sport, health, education, and leadership programs to empower people with intellectual disabilities. The Revolution is Inclusion campaign is at the heart of what we do. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, it's amazing. A lot of people don't realize that Special Olympics does more, much more than just sports. So um, that's another reason for part of the unified leadership training is educating people on everything that Special Olympics has to offer people with IDD. So Renee, is there something else that most people don't realize about Special Olympics that you want this, uh, this group to take away? Yes, there is. You want to come over yeah. here? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. And I think I've got a loud enough voice. Can everybody hear me? Yeah. Yes. It's for the can. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yes, there, there are a few things. People often get Special Olympics confused with the Para-Olympics or regular Olympics. When I share that I am a Special Olympics athlete, people begin asking me about the Olympics. People also don't know that Special Olympics is a year-round sports organ is a free year-round sports organization. And while Special Olympics is known for being a sports organization, many people do not know that it is so much more. For example, Special Olympics is the world's largest health provider for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Over the last 25 years, Special Olympics has delivered over 2 million free health screenings and trained more than 300,000 health professionals and students to treat patients with intellectual and developmental disabilities. I'm still you, Renee. Can, oh. you, uh, can you tell us how you became involved with Special Olympics? What's your Special Olympics story? Oh, absolutely. I love to share this story. Truth be told, I didn't know about Special Olympics until after I graduated high school. I was in my 20s and pretty lonely, and I didn't qualify for home and community-based services after high school. So I felt very lost. My mom mentioned going to see what Special Olympics was all about. I was a bit hesitant about joining because my experiences in school were that I wasn't really good at any sport, and I was often left out of, maybe, I was often laid out, I'm sorry, I'm going too fast. <laughs> I was often left out or made fun of and laughed at if I messed up. So I wasn't really keen on the idea of joining a sports group. However, my mom told me, what have we got to lose? We don't like it, we won't go again. So off we went. And I can't even begin to explain it. It was like walking through a door into a world full of possibility and opportunity. For the first time, I was welcomed just as I was. I could just be me and go at my own pace. 
I became part of a team, a team that wanted me. This real acceptance changed my life. Thank you. And Daniel, how did you get involved? I first became involved in Special Olympics as an athlete 17 years ago when I, I started high school in 2005. One of my case managers, special education teachers, first told me about Special Olympics. Before I was involved, I wasn't that good at sports. And I didn't have a lot of self-confidence. Once I began doing sports in Special Olympics with swimming, my life changed. I felt confident in who I was and in, in, in what I was able to do. For my family and my friends in, in particular, for my family and my, my parents in particular, it was emotional for them to see me compete for the, for the first time. I first started swimming 25 yards of freestyle and backstroke and then I advanced to 50 yards of swimming, and then I eventually added breaststroke. My parents always believed in me, and when I started swimming at our state summer games, they saw that I fit right in. My parents knew that I, was, that I would be able to succeed at anything that I set my mind to. Soon after I, I competed in, in swimming, about three years later, after I first began swimming, I, I began competed in uh, basketball. And it's all thanks to the friends and teammates that I made and that I developed in Special Olympics the, those first few years that my teammates had encouraged me to broaden my athletic skills on the basketball court. And today I continue to compete in both swimming and basketball, and I hope to try unified bocce soon. I first began in the athlete leadership programs about 13 years ago. It all started thanks to the encouragement of my mom. At one of our state competitions, my mom was talking to the parent of one of my, ba my basketball teammates who first introduced us to the athlete leadership programs with special. Special Olympics. My self-confidence slowly grew with, with sports, but public speaking was still something that I wasn't completely sure about. I soon began taking athlete leadership courses, and my confidence began to further develop into a stronger athlete leader. Through the many leadership roles and ongoing professional development workshops that have prepared me for my role today as a Southern Survival International Global Messenger. Thank you, Daniel. What, what, what have you learned through Special Olympics? We're honored to be able to, to have your voice as, an, as, as a Sergeant Shriver International Global Messenger, but what have you learned through Special Olympics? I've learned a lot in Special Olympics, and it was through these SSIGM trainings that I was able to follow my athlete leadership skills on the global stage. I learned professional development skills such as attending a LinkedIn workshop and the difference between having a dialogue versus giving a speech because there's a lot of differences between both of those. And I even had the opportunity to travel to new places like 
Abu Dhabi. It was a tremendous opportunity for us to be at the 2019 World Games and see how that region of the UAE shades the view of people with disabilities to a more positive, positive tone, people with de determination. I've been able to grow as an individual and leader as a Southern Tribal International Global Messenger. I've learned that Special Olympics breaks down barriers for, for me and my fellow athlete leaders and chooses to include us not just in our sports training and competition, but also in our health programs, in our education, and in our leadership programs. Special Olympics gives me tools and confidence to grow as a leader, to be an ambassador, and I've been able to use Special Chronicles as a podcast platform that I found it to be a voice for those of us with different abilities. Perfect. Thanks, Dana. Yep. And Renee, what have you learned? What have I learned from being involved in Special Olympics? That is a hard question because I have learned so much. The first thing I learned was that I wasn't alone. All my life, I thought I was the only person in the world who was different. Joining Special Olympics was like a weight being lifted from my shoulders where I began to look up and notice the world around me. I learned I could do things. Each week I went to practice, I became more and more confident. With my confidence, I learned and developed leadership skills I never knew I had. That is when I said yes to joining the Global Messenger Public Speaking Program, where I learned about public speaking. After I became a trained public speaker, I was still very scared about presenting to people. Would anyone really care about what I had to say? So far in life, my experience had been no one really cared, and I was often talked over. But at my first speech, where I shared my story of my life and my struggles, someone in the audience cried. My story had reached him, and that opened a door in me. I could see I could make a difference. I call it finding your voice. Now I look forward to speaking to others because I hope to make an impact to raise awareness about the obstacles and burdens the persons with IDD live with every day. This is when I said yes to becoming a health messenger. After learning about the alarming health statistics and disparities that persons with IDD face, then I was selected as a Sergeant Schreiber International Global Messenger. Who would have thought? Thank you. So this is probably a, as good of a time as any to start talking about the unified leadership portion uh, of this training and what people without intellectual and developmental disabilities can do to make people with, with intellectual and developmental disabilities feel more inclusive. So Renee, still sticking with you, what are, some, what are some of the biggest barriers to inclusion that you experience in your personal life and in the workplace? That's a very good question. The biggest barrier as a student in school was that no one wanted me around. I was the weird kid, quoting movies or singing to myself. I was the girl who always finished her work last, if at all. They called me stupid or retarded. I wanted friends and I wanted to be included, but so often I sat alone in the lunchroom and had no partner for activities or field trips. As an adult, I think people with IDD face many barriers to inclusion, not just being left out. Often, I was not given opportunities because people thought I couldn't do something 
or because it might have taken me a little longer to learn something. But I could learn. I just needed a bit more time. The feeling you get when someone dismisses you is more than just being disappointed. Eventually, you just stop trying and ask, what's the point? I know I have a disability. That's a given. But I also have many abilities. When someone learns you have a disability, they often start deciding what you aren't able to do. This is when opportunities seem to get really small. This happens in the workplace and in other situations as well. Then there is respect. Respect is so many things from letting me speak at my own pace and giving me time to process information, as well as asking me, what would I like to do? Just hearing me as a person, not as a project. Perfect, thanks Renee. So as we work to make our companies and our society as a whole uh, more inclusive and more equitable, it's important that we create space, as I mentioned earlier, for those honest conversations between people with and people without IDD. Um, especially about the, the lack of inclusion um, and the lack of us as people without IDD be, being willing to learn from our mistakes and being to not just have them at the table, but actually being involved in those conversations. So Special Olympics is working um, as a sports organization. We're we're always going to be about sports. We're not going to change our mission to from from sports completely. But that doesn't mean that we still can't be involved in health and in leadership and other ways of making lives better for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Uh, we do this through our health programming with free health screenings. We do it through our Unified Champion Schools programming to make sure that we're educating children at a young age about how to be inclusive. And we believe that everyone has the obligation to help break down barriers and create an inclusive environment for people with IDD, especially, uh, sorry, for all people in marginalized communities, but we believe it is especially true for all people with IDD. We know that to make any change, leadership matters. Uh, creating a more inclusive world is no different. Together, we can create opportunities for people with IDD. This is much more than just making your website more accessible or your reading materials easy read. Those, those are important things too. Uh, it's about finding meaningful roles. Keyword there is meaningful. Meaningful roles for people with IDD and affording them the opportunity to contribute and share their abilities like they are today. You may have seen some people with IDD working in a supermarket, for example, um, as a stocker or as a uh, cart pusher. Uh, and those may be meaningful roles to those individuals, and that's great. But for Daniel, for Renee, for many other people with IDD, there are many other opportunities that they are not afforded that we are on a regular basis. So it's on us as people without IDD to learn from them and to try and find more meaningful roles where they can actually fit in and contribute in the way that they want to. Uh, Daniel, when you think about people in leadership roles, like teachers or supervisors that you've had, uh, what is an example of something that they do that really bothers you or annoys you? That's a good question, Brandon. When something, when I look at, at teachers or work managers, and in particular, since it's, it's been a while since I've been in school, so um, <laughs> with work managers, something that really bothers or annoys me 
uh, from previous work managers is at a previous job. I was asked multiple times for more responsibility to be a, a cashier at a big secondhand store. But to my humiliation, the management overlooked me time and time again. They didn't tell me why or give me the skills to develop more responsibility. I worked at my previous job at a big second-hand store for four years doing just basic work of just stocking shelves. Throughout my employment there, my coworkers began to get to know me and see what I was able to do. Within a couple of years after I began that job, my coworkers saw my potential and encouraged me to broaden my skills and to get more responsibility. But, that, but again, as the, the, ma the managers had overlooked me time and time again, and my self-confidence really got depleted, had really got de deflated with the frustration that I was getting from those managers. And my parents even saw the frustration in me. And that is something that really bothers me when the ma management of, of a store or any workplace just overlooks you. For many years, we've been training Special Olympics athletes, like me and Daniel, to be leaders. But that is not enough on its own. We also need leaders without IDD, like you, to take responsibility for creating an inclusive environment so people with IDD have the chance to succeed in all areas of life. That is why we wanted to meet with you to talk about unified leadership. We are interested in the opportunity to meet with employees at companies like Coca-Cola and tell them about unified leadership. It is a new term we have created to describe an approach to developing inclusive leaders. The education session is for people without intellectual and developmental disabilities. It is about what you can do to provide opportunities and environments for me and other individuals with IDD to share our abilities and thrive. Great leaders on board. They're made. Thousands of hours of training, pushing beyond limits, ignoring the doubters, learning to win and lose with dignity, empathy, and courage. Special Olympics athletes have already proved that they have great potential. We simply want to empower them to fully realize it by creating the conditions in which they can thrive on and off the sports field. The unified leadership approach is about teaching inclusion, drawing on the personal experiences of athletes to create shared experiences for leaders with and without disabilities. It's about taking the lessons learned from every skill mastered, every challenge overcome, and using them 
inspiring others and showing the path to real and meaningful inclusion. It's about recognizing the key skills that athlete leaders exemplify, helping them grow, develop their capacity to lead, and share their talents with everyone. This is what our divided world needs today. This is about changing our society for the better, for all of us. Unified leaders are all. They rise up to the challenge when given a chance. They never give up. They will do anything to create the conditions for everyone's success. Unlocking the true power of diversity. Let them lead. So why do we need unified leadership? <laughs> because we're going to watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> so why do we need unified leadership? Think about it. Special Olympics currently reaches 6 million people with IDD around the world. We have a long way to go to support the well-being of 2 million estimated people with intellectual disabilities. And on the way, we need to change attitudes and behaviors of 7 billion people without disabilities. That includes most of you. You and others without intellectual disabilities, whether you know it or not, are usually the ones who play a major role in creating or maintaining barriers to inclusion. However, through this session that, that, that we're giving you today and millions of others can be the ones responsible for positive change. Because what you do or don't do, whether you realize it or not, can have a big influence on opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. That's why you and your colleagues are a target audience for this training, so we can work together to break down those barriers. Correct. Thank you, Stan. Um, so obviously you guys are both leaders. You both break down barriers on a regular basis. Um, and yet Special Olympics Unified Leadership Approach calls on people without disabilities to change and let people from marginalized groups, like people with IDD, lead. So, Renee, from your point of view, why is this approach so important? Thank you, Brandon. I think unified leadership is so important because it teaches leaders without IDDs, such as yourselves, to make changes in the workspaces that would help persons with IDD, like Daniel and me, have meaningful jobs and roles. This is so important to me personally because no one really knows what it is like to be an individual with IDD in the workplace except me and, and Daniel and so many others as well. I believe that it is a great opportunity to help individuals without IDD have a better understanding of what it means to work with an individual with IDD. With the unified leadership approach, we can give ideas and suggestions on how to make the workplace or any setting less stressful, less scary, and more enjoyable for individuals with IDD. There are so many barriers in the workplace that people with IDD experience. 
So many working age adults with IDD have never held a job. Often, this is due to the attitudes, behaviors, and low expectations of people without IDDs, without intellectual and developmental disabilities, and the gifts and abilities of people like me and Daniel with, with IDD often go unnoticed. But what this means is there is a lot of untapped potential. I'll also share an example of a personal barrier that I face that affects every relationship, and maybe when I was little too. This barrier is that people don't really understand that I have an intellectual and developmental disability. Not only do many people not know what IDD is, but they also don't see my disability, so they assume I don't have one. This leads to many complicated situations. I tell people I have IDD and try to explain about my disability so they will understand me better because I know I will need help especially with instructions, or to not be taken by surprise if I say anything out of context because I got lost in the conversation. But whenever I try to explain that I have autism, people will say things like, you don't look autistic, but don't be so hard on yourself. And my personal favorite, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> this is an ongoing struggle for me. So each time it happens, I make a new plan for the next time it happens. I think to myself, how can I explain it better? Or what exactly do I need to say to help someone understand? Because people still speak too fast to me, and then, I get, and then get irritated with me when I ask for help, and I may ask for help more than once. That's why I really like the unified leadership approach, because it opens the doors for conversations between individuals with IDD and individuals without. Everyone has the opportunity to learn from each other. I believe this will really create more inclusive workspaces because each of us has something unique to bring to the table and having everyone's gifts and talents utilized will only strengthen the company further. I'm so thankful to be leading the unified leadership trainings. I believe we are breaking down these barriers. I look forward to seeing what the outcomes are in the future. And Daniel, what does unified leadership mean to you? What unified leadership means to me is that people without disabilities are able to listen to me and let me lead alongside them. Which, building from sport, teaches leaders of all abilities to value each other and create an environment for those of us with intellectual disabilities to succeed in meaningful jobs and roles. Leaders without intellectual disabilities, as well as our external community leaders, encourage those of us with intellectual disabilities to see our potential. When we lead unified, we can learn from each other. There are many opportunities that we as athlete leaders, like Renee and myself and many other athlete leaders, do to drive awareness for Special Olympics. For example, since I began working at United Airlines, they have embraced me by looking at my skills and the work that I do through Special Chronicles and helped me to create the Unified at Work podcast series. United Airlines has embraced me by looking at my skills such as the 
Unified at, at Work podcast series. Within my first year at United, I developed and started producing and hosting this podcast series that, that talks about our new inclusive employment program at United in partnership with Special Olympics. I had support from United employee, employees, including the time the managing director of airport operations in Chicago and employees from the social impact and community engagement team at United. In hosting and producing this Unified at Work podcast series, one of my colleagues at United would see my abilities. And more and more of, uh, of my colleagues and coworkers began listening to this series of my fellow service ambassadors and, and other employees at United that I would have on as guests. This then led me to being asked last year to join Bridge, which is United's business resource group that has connected people of all abilities. I've taken the tools as an ambassador that I've learned through Special Olympics and using tools and confidence that I developed in Special Olympics now at my job at United to educate and give a voice about inclusion and unified leadership. Perfect. Thanks, Daniel. So as Renee and Daniel just outlined, no matter how progressive we become as a society, there are still many barriers to inclusion. How else can we break down these barriers? Well, let's go through some of the options. Uh, it starts with understanding what real meaningful inclusion is. We talked about that word meaningful earlier. Meaningful inclusion is the difference between diversity and inclusion. There are three levels of inclusion that we've kind of outlined as part of our unified leadership training. We call them diversity 101, diversity 2.0, and inclusion 3.0. Let's start with diversity 101. Diversity 101 is what happens at the very beginning when people first try to be an inclusive organization or society, community, and invite people from outside the majority group, in our example, it's people with IDD, to partake in any kind of activity. While intentions are usually good, this type of inclusion is, to is typically called tokenism. It's to check a box. Diversity, uh, an example is people with intellectual disabilities are hired to a position at a company. They may be responsible for photocopying, um, but they're not really asked to provide their input. They are just there. Um, they don't have the opportunity to discuss their skills or their interests nor contribute in any other meaningful ways. They are essentially there to be a decoration, to be a uh, check the box, um, a mascot, or as I call them, a potted plant. Diversity 2.0 is the next step. This is where people with IDD aren't just hired, but they're actually engaged and their input is sought. Uh, so going back to our example, a person with an IDD is hired to a position at a company. Their supervisor and colleagues actually take the time to ask about their interests, their skills, working with them to find the right fit within the company. Their responsibilities increase to include answering phones, maybe taking notes during meetings, and welcoming office visitors and other projects as assigned. This is better, but it's not the end goal. Uh, most people, a, a lot of organizations, um, and I would say that we still do this within Special Olympics, within some of our departments, it, it, they think that this is the finish line, right? Oh, well, we've, we've asked them what they want to do, they have jobs, um, and it's not just a token position. 
However, inclusion 3.0 is the goal. It's where we want all organizations to strive for. It's where we want to strive for as Special Olympics. But it's unfortunately where not most have reached quite yet. Uh, inclusion 3.0 is when people with IBD um, are uh, earn meaningful roles and responsibilities and all employees of the rest of the organization adapt how they work and conduct their business to best work with people with IBD. An example here is a person with an intellectual disability is hired at the company. The organization works with the person to identify the, the responsibilities that fit their skills. The person not only receives training to take on these new responsibilities, but most importantly, the staff without IDD also receive training on how to best work with them, support them, and then frankly, get out of their way. Let them do what they do best. They might uh, assume responsibility for office reception functions and take the lead on deciding or making improvements. The point is that the company at Inclusion 3.0 is listening to people with IDD. They're not just tokens. They're not just in the room, but they're actually involved in the decision-making processes. And as it relates to Special Olympics, we say this all the time in athlete leadership, that Special Olympics uh, is for our athletes. It should be led by our athletes. Um, but um, admittedly, we are still struggling with that. So. That's an important part of this conversation when we're talking about honest conversations, that we do not have this figured out. Uh, this unified leadership training that we do for external, external organizations, we do this training for internal organizations, for our program staff all the time, because we know that this is, in order for us to really make the world a more inclusive place, we need to, we need to get our own house in order as well before we go out and talk about it externally too much. So, the gifts and skills of people with IDD, Renee and Daniel, a perfect example are often underestimated, undervalued, and this needs to change. This is why unified leadership focuses on people without IDD. Okay. So you may be wondering, what is unified leadership? I'll explain. Building from sport, which is the mission of Special Olympics, unified leadership teaches leaders without disabilities to value and learn from people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, or IDD as we call it, and to make changes, to create environments where people with IDD get opportunities to have meaningful jobs and roles. You may hear the word unified and think of people without intellectual and developmental disabilities as the mentor supporting a person with IDD. But in unified leadership, Unified is more like being on a team. You support your teammate when there is a need, but you aren't always right next to them. It is about leaders without IDD being inclusive, willing to change how they do things so people with IDD and really all people in the organization can reach their full potential. Before we, we wrap up, we want to leave you with this call to action. First, see our value. See the possibility for people like Whitney and me. Believe we can contribute to the organization's goals. Believe we can bring a unique perspective. Believe that we can develop and lead your work. 
Second, include us. Adapt behaviors and processes to fit our needs. For example, look beyond roles like receptionists at companies. We make great employees in other ways too, as storytellers or in, in HR, for example. We just need training like anyone else. We need someone to see the potential in us. We don't just want a job we aren't suited for or that we don't deserve. We just want an opportunity to grow into these roles like anyone else, like yourselves. And finally, enable us. Like the video said, let them lead. Give us a chance to partner with you, to contribute, and to lead. We will surprise you. So before we kind of wrap up the last question for both of you, first, thank you for sharing your perspectives and your stories, um, as always. Um, but what is one behavior that you wish all people exhibited towards um, people who are different from them. What's, what's one behavior that you wish people would change? Dana, let's start with you. Kindness is the one behavior that, that I wish that other people without ID would If all people are kind to people who are different, then they won't be humiliated. And they can be accepted and included. When you're kind, you're able to hear the story and listen and realize we're more alike than different. On the Unified at Work series, we're able to hear other stories, and the people at United were kind and took time to listen to our stories, as well as thousands of other listeners, too. And hopefully we'll embrace and create a more inclusive world and help to spread the idea of inclusion and show respect. Kindness changes everything. And Renee? I love this question because this is a life changer. If I could pick one behavior, it would be acceptance. Acceptance to me includes being kind, like Daniel said. With this behavior, my life would have been so very different. I could have walked with my head up instead of wanting to hide. I wouldn't have been afraid and trying so hard to fit in. I asked myself, what would it look like if the world were more inclusive? Well, to me, there would never be that kid in the lunchroom eating by themselves or not being chosen for a team. They would be included as a friend. There wouldn't be any name calling or teasing. There would be kind words spoken. A non-inclusive world shuts doors and shuts people down. I truly believe that acceptance opens those doors doors of opportunity to show what we can do if only given the chance. I encourage 
sorry, I encourage all of us to look past a person's disability and see the person. You just never know who you might meet. Perfect. Well, thanks to the two of you for, like I said, for sharing your experiences, sharing your stories. Thanks to all of you guys uh, for participating. Uh, thanks to Carla for setting this up and Sherry um, and giving us this opportunity for the two of them to talk about Special Olympics, the history of Special Olympics, give you a little bit of background on unified leadership. Um, but that's the end of our presentation. You guys have any questions for Daniel or Renee? Yes. Anybody have any questions for him? You can go first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome presentation. Um, so two things. First, I host a really awesome podcast called Reset, and I would love to have you both on because you're amazing. Uh, and my other question is, what is the one thing that you are most proud of having worked with Special Olympics? So the question is, just for Daniel's podcast, if it didn't come through, what's the one thing that you're most proud of? In Special Olympics? Yes. Um, the one thing I'm most proud of is to connect with my fellow athletes and hear each other's stories and how we're able to connect with with each other and learn what we're doing in each of our programs and and the different leadership um, skills that we each have and, and the different uh, opportunities. Um, like with our entire class of exercise, of SSIGMs, we come from all across the globe and, and we're able to really get to know each other and, and, um, and, and be uh, um, family and, and support each other. Renee? Are you asking me that question too? <laughs> I would say the one thing that I really love about Special Olympics is just as Daniel said, there is acceptance. Um, I am a proud military child. My dad is retired Navy, so I've traveled all over basically, and I didn't even know Special Olympics existed until I moved to Hawaii and I was in my 20s. And for so long, I felt like I was alone in the world. I was the only one. And then Special Olympics came along and it really opened my eyes to realizing, hey, I'm not alone. There are others just like me. And they just welcomed me with open arms. I would say that normally I would say I cannot imagine my life without it, but actually I can. My whole life has been trying to be better, trying to fit in. The expectations in school were high. And no one really wanted me to accept me for who I was. So when Special Olympics came along, it was like a weight had been lifted from my shoulders. I could actually just be me. And it was okay. Awesome. Yeah, so I also had a question which was kind of already answered. And so I also, I have a brother who has an intellectual disability. And I'm often asked by people who have never really interacted with somebody who has an intellectual disability before, how they should communicate with my brother. And I think that it's kind of an interesting question because they want to make sure that they're hearing him and um, really respecting him for who he is. And they're wanting to make sure that they're not making any mistakes. And I realize that I'm not quite at liberty to answer that question because I've never really had those experiences that you have. So I was kind of curious, 
how you would answer that question as somebody who has an intellectual disability. And I was wondering if you could kind of tell us about any frustrations that you have when people who don't have intellectual disabilities communicate with you. Can you repeat the question? Yeah, so I, basically just I know something that really frustrated me when I see people who don't have intellectual disabilities interacting with my brother is they kind of talk to him in a demeaning tone. And they talk to him as if he's beneath them instead of treating him like he is one of them. And it's definitely really frustrating for me to see that. So I, you know, of course I express that to people who ask because often people do ask because they do want to change and they do want to make sure that they're being respectful toward people like my brother. And so I'm just kind of curious about any times that somebody in the workplace or even outside of the workplace has kind of had a conversation with you and you just really felt like you weren't being respected. Like, what do you wish that they, they would have done differently? Um, yes, yeah, so, so that's a great question and uh, kind of going along the same lines of when I shared the story in the presentation of, uh, about the, uh, at a, when I worked at a previous job and mm -hmm. the managers had overlooked me, um, they didn't really take the time, time to listen to me and, and, and Get get to know my skills uh, of what I uh, am able to do, and I, uh, a lot of times not only the, the work managers but other people in the community might just walk right past us, or might talk to somebody else, and it might not necessarily mm. talk to us. And if people um, I, I think one of the things you could do to change that is to really talk directly at us and yeah. get to know what we're able to do, and like us and and your brother, and 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 it, instead of seeing what. Uh, Instead of just overlooking like the basic skills, but really kind of um, kind of talk to us and and see what else some other skills, what are some other opportunities in the, the workplace or, or in school that that that, that we wanted to because I, I'm sure. We, talk to your brother or you talk to any of the athletes here this week, there's plenty. I'm sure a, a, a lot of us will say that, that there's a lot of other things that we want to do in, yes. in, in, in terms of space. Mm. In answer to your question, I'd say the one thing that frustrates me is, as I mentioned earlier, is autism is an invisible disability, which is what I have. And people, like I mentioned earlier, just assume that when they look at me, I'm just like them. And so they will pummel me with question after question after question, and they will talk to you fast, and I will have to cut in and say, I'm sorry, I have a learning disability. And they'll be like, what? They'll say things like I mentioned, and basically to me, that's just their way of saying, oh, that's nice, I don't believe you, which is 
really, really frustrating because I'm now stuck in a situation where I'm trying to tell you, I don't understand, you're talking too fast, can you please slow down? And you won't because you won't listen to me. So I think the most important thing is, what type of disability does your brother have? So my brother actually has Down syndrome. Yeah. Okay, well, um, I would say the most important thing is to have other people who want to know how to communicate with your brother. Yeah. Find out what his interests are. As for me, in my case, I'm a Disney fan, Star Wars fan, Harry Potter fan. If there is a way that they can connect to him, that's always a key starter. That way they have a way to like get into his world and not kind of go, okay, why are you talking about that? Yeah, that's wonderful advice. I really appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. No, thank you guys so much for this presentation. It's so helpful to hear from your lens yeah. of you as we kind of navigate this space. As we go back to your presentation, we talk about inclusion and how we talk about leadership with Coca-Cola or any other organization. I'm very curious about, as we think about the current social climate and thinking about people with IDD who might be people of color and how they're navigating one space, but additionally that other space of what's going on. I'm curious from Brandon or Sherry with Special Olympics, is there special programs or something that identifies how to help them navigate both spaces? And two, are you leaning on your corporate partners to kind of help lead that conversation, either it is having somebody from IDD who's a person of color kind of speak to them as a mentorship? So I'm just very curious, are you guys exploring that space and if there's a way that your corporate partners can help with that? I'm happy to take that. Um, I think we are, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, that's a great question. I think we are still so far behind the eight ball in getting just acceptance and recognition for our current population, regardless of race, gender. We're still trying to break down those barriers. But we have set up internally our diversity, equity, and inclusion team at Special Olympics International, where we do have voices from our leaders. Um, but it's a pathway, I think, that we could look to explore and perhaps create some opportunities for our athlete leaders of color to play a real critical role in the social channels of our partners. Um, it would be groundbreaking for us. Um, it would be innovative. We haven't done it, and I'm sure that our athlete leaders would be so receptive to that, Travis. Um, I love the lens, um, but we're still trying to get people invited to the dance. And I think that, sorry, <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, you know, we are, we are truly, when we're talking externally about unified leadership, we are positioning unified leadership as a part of DE&I efforts. That when we talk about marginalized communities, that this is, you know, the disability community is the world's largest marginalized community that people always forget about, whether it's physical disabilities, intellectual, mental, whatever it may be. However, your point is key because we have obviously plenty of identity, uh, plenty of athletes, and you're going to meet some of them from different countries, different races, different, you know, who identifies LGBTQIA. So it's like, okay, well, they're a part of all these groups. We don't want them to feel like they have to code switch when they're when they're in these presentations. Okay, well, here I'm just. I'm, I'm an athlete, but in this conversation, I'm also a black athlete, but in this conversation, I'm also a gay athlete. Like, so having those 
opportunities to work with partners and if you're interested and you kind of talked about like mentoring like let's let's find a way to make that happen i know i can say that because it wouldn't just be me it'd be sherry um, so i think having those conversations is is really important because it's not just um you know what we're talking about today but it's it's bringing in all of those other experiences as well and like i said unified leadership as sherry said it's like just scratching the surface like just trying to tell people without intellectual disabilities as kindly as possible that hey you know we can train daniel and renee we can train all the athletes who are going to be coming in here for lunch in a little bit we can train them for hours and hours and years and years but it doesn't mean anything if we don't train people without IDD how to, like I said, get out of their way, work with them, and truly, like the video said, let them lead. It means nothing. Um, so that's why unified leadership is so important in the DEI space, um, both internally and externally. But that's a great question. No, I think you're, you're spot on. I think, Carla, you know where I'm going with this. We actually have a partnership with Gallaudet University, right? And they actually came internally and spoke to us about how. Um, deaf people of color have their own dialect that they have to mm. learn yeah. so in cool. addition yeah. to a regular so cool. sign language and how if you don't have it you would never know that but that's the way of communicating but it was also very similar to just being a person of color how you go home how you interact with your family is totally different how you do it in the workspace yep. so you, it's going back to the original point of it's, it's almost the education part of it and I think it's also educating our leadership about all the different aspects of it too that then we can help identify how we can help. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, um, yes, yeah, so thank you so much for the presentation. I can tell how much work went into it to prepare. It was very thoughtful and cohesive. And so I just feel like you really took us on a journey and I really appreciate the time. Um, I think of um, the children. Renee, you really touched on feeling isolated and alone. And I'm just curious what um, wonderful point, my biggest takeaway is what can those without intellectual and developmental disabilities do to help include? So what, what would, I mean, in this, you're welcome to think about this and not answer this on the spot, but what do you think that we can do for the younger children who aren't, who haven't had the time, who haven't taken the time to develop a presentation and, and maybe aren't as in touch with what they need at, those younger ages, what can we do to um, best position them to become you in the in the future? Aside from getting involved in the Special Olympics, obviously, but it, any guidance for the adults in the room who can help the children of the next generation become all stars like you? I'll take it. I would say the best way to go about that is to maybe have a training like this. And maybe have a kind of a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the teachers. That was basically my struggle when I was in school. The teachers were not educated. They had no idea what IDD was. Now, some of them were great. They bent over backwards to make sure my work was as easy as it could be. But not all of them were very receptive. So if you're talking about a young tender age, like from K to like maybe sixth grade, whatever is considered elementary here, maybe fifth. I know that's what, how it was for me when I lived here. Then I would suggest a training like this, a one-on-one -on -one meeting, to really dig into what is IDD. Because this is where 
lack of education, lack of knowledge comes in. For so long, people like myself and Brandon, they were locked away in institutions, only expected to live for 20 years or so. And then Eunice Kennedy Shriver came along and everything changed. So teachers weren't educated, doctors weren't educated, and all of us who are still here today, newsflash, <laughs> and people are still today without that knowledge or education. So that's key, education. That would really benefit the students from K all the way through 12. I mean, if elementary school is, stuff, is tough, and I should know, that was tough for me. Imagine Mills Middle School, and high school, where things are really rough. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Dan, do you have an answer? Um, I, I, I agree with what uh, I said, and there's like, an awful uh, unified leadership training like what we've done uh, today, but maybe targeted to all the schools and teachers, so it might it might look a little different than what we did today, but connect with with the teachers and 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 see what their experience is like and then what what uh, what they can do to create more inclusion in, in in their school and connect with the with their students with ID and their students with ID. Anybody else? Yeah, go ahead. Final. So um, first of all again thank you guys. I um I've I've loved hearing everything you shared. It's 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 so incredibly helpful. I, I love the example of invite the dance and then really organizing the dance and I think Daniel, one thing that you said, and, and you, you've, you've kind of threaded it through a couple of examples for us, is to be seen and to be heard, right? And we are more alike than we are different. So your example, Renee, on asking people what they're interested in. That's how I would get to know you. That's how I would get to know you right before. It's no different. So such great knowledge shared. So I have two quick questions. Um, one, um, I have two for Daniel and one for Renee. The first one for Daniel is, what is the name of your podcast? I think I heard it, but I want to make sure I wrote it down right. Special Chronicles. Special Chronicles. I did write it down right. Okay, so, cool. Uh, um, Specialchronicles.com is awesome. where you can um, listen to hundreds and hundreds of <laughs> podcasts for the past 14 years. Fantastic. And since I'll, I'll start with you, what's your favorite sport? Um, you had to choose just one. <laughs> that, what would it be? Uh, that's a tough. <laughs> 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 um, All right, you can choose two if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if I had to choose one, swimming would probably be my swimming would probably be my top one. Um, yeah, yeah, that uh, swimming would probably be my top one. And if I had to choose a second one, basketball would probably be the uh, second one, just because with both, um, you um, you get different forms of exercise with with both, uh, and, and and you can 
what uh, uh, different muscles in, in in swimming and and different strength with um, basketball. So th there's kind of a good mix of of all different athletic skills. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Renee. What's your favorite sport? Do I get to choose two? <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> okay, well for a while it was basketball, but I switched it to swimming. I have always loved the water. Me being a Navy child has its benefits. I've lived in places on the East Coast and West. I've lived in Rhode Island, Florida, California, Hawaii, all those beautiful places that have beaches and pools. I've always loved the water. And my second sport would be, just like Daniel, basketball, because <laughs> it's, it's so fun. I was in um, uh, junior varsity for three years in middle school, and I learned to adapt to the sport, even though my team was so-so, around me anyway. But it's just something that I adapted to. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? You good? Wow, you guys, thank you. Well, they'll be around, uh, and we do have two other versions, uh, more intense versions of Unified Leadership. We kind of gave you just the, the entry-level version, uh, but we do have two other versions of Unified Leadership that goes more in, in, in depth on what companies can do, what you can do as an individual, what companies and organizations can do to really truly make the largest impact. So this was just kind of a more of an introduction to uh, what's your appetite and uh, we look forward to, to hearing from you and uh, how we can uh, accommodate any other future trainings. So thank, thank you. you. All right, here we go. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Special Chronicles Shows Podcast. Visit SpecialChronicles.com to follow Special Chronicles on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube, and don't forget to hit the bell to be notified of new episodes. Also, subscribe to our newsletter mailing list to sign up for updates and get exclusive content delivered to your inbox. Remember to do what you do with these podcasts. Subscribe or follow and rate and review Special Chronicles on Apple Podcasts, the iHealth Radio app, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, please share this episode and all of our podcasts with your friends and family to help us grow our audience and uh, reach 5,000 downloads of audio podcasts and over 14,000 average monthly listeners. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next week with exciting new guests. See you next week. Special Chronicles, giving respect and a voice to people with special needs.